Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Less than a week ago, there was this monstrous, murderous attack at this small synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And this synagogue, Tree of Life Synagogue, it houses three small congregations, Jewish congregations. Now, there's been much uh, talk, discussion in Israel concerning these congregations, which do not represent Judaism that is recognized by Orthodox Jewry, uh, much less ultra-Orthodox or Hasidic Jewry. But while these congregations represent what you might liken to denominations in Christianity, denominations, if you will, that go by titles like conservative or liberal or progressive or what have you. And therefore, they get considerably more creative with the Old Testament than do the Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox. Ironically, it is the Orthodox and especially the ultra-Orthodox Jews that are the most, uh, what is a properly moderate term to use as compared to uh, uh, what would be accurate, but they are the most staunchly opposed to Christianity, the Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox. But while they take a dim view of these branches of Jewry, they all have any number of things in common. And one of them is that they are viewed similarly by those who hate Jews, hate Jewry. Those who believe that the annihilation of the Jews is necessary to rid this world of all manner of evils, which is fascinating. Jesus said that salvation is of the Jews. That, despite the fact that the leadership of the Jews was virulently opposed to him, hateful of him, and conspired for his destruction. But This destroyer who attacked these people at this synagogue in Pittsburgh, he spewed out hatred and he stated that, quote, I just want to kill Jews. All these Jews need to die, end quote. Sentiments that you would rightly associate with the likes of Adolf Hitler. 
but also with Uncle Joe Joseph Stalin. Despite how heavily armed he was, and despite the fact that it should have been extremely easy pickings in this synagogue where all three little congregations were meeting at 10 a.m. in the morning last Saturday, October 27th. Amazingly enough, quite a few survived, quite a few escaped this destroyer who marched into the main sanctuary where there were only about a dozen people at the time. He murdered seven. In total, he murdered eight men, three women, one police officer is in critical condition as of the report that I saw. And I hope and pray that he survives and is whole. But this destroyer was described by one of the survivors this way, as being, quote, a maniac, end quote, and also, importantly, as being, quote, a person who has no control of his baser instincts, end quote. A person who has no control of his baser instincts. No control. That's the problem, is he doesn't have control. What he needs to do, perhaps, is to go to some sensitivity seminars or counseling or something, and then perhaps he will manage to acquire the necessary skills to control his murderous hatred. Do you really imagine that? I don't think so. Among those murdered were a pair of brothers, a couple that is a husband and wife, a physician who rushed to the aid of a wounded person and was murdered in the act of trying to help this other person, Dr. Jerry Rabinowitz. And many impressive people Intelligent people, caring people. But snuffed out by a destroyer who believed that he could improve this world by destroying decent people. Well, this matter of having no control over one's baser instincts. It reminds me of the case, if you will recall from previous programs, or at least the most recent program, where I spoke of a beautiful young woman, Lauren McCluskey, who was murdered at University of Utah on campus 
this beautiful young woman, intelligent, talented, accomplished, disciplined in athletics and in academics, less so with regard to relationships, as far as I am concerned. But this fellow who murdered her was described by a prosecutor, a former prosecutor, as having absolutely zero ability to control his impulses. Zero ability to control his impulses. Was he lacking in intelligence? No. (laughs) No. No, it wasn't that. Zero ability to control his impulses. That's a quote. Meanwhile, this destroyer who slaughtered these people, these dear people at the synagogue, is described as a person who has no control of his baser instincts. Zero ability to control his impulses, no control of his baser instincts. Same thought here, right? Same idea. Same extremely flawed idea. This was not a matter of lack of ability or talent or intelligence or anything else. It was simply a matter of their lust to destroy. Their lust to destroy that preempts everything else. With regard to this young woman, she did not discriminate regarding this man who turned out to be 15 years older than her. He had tried to rape a 13-year-old girl when he was 22. He claimed to be somebody he wasn't. He had engaged in all manner of things. He was not the same race as her. When she found out that he was not the same age he claimed to be, that he was not the person he claimed to be, that his name was not the name that she believed him to go by, that he had given to her, she ended their relationship. She'd been seeing him over a period of time that was no more than a month. The University of Utah police chief was asked after her murder whether he believed that law enforcement had done everything that they could do to protect her. And I thought it was rather remarkable uh, response from him, personally, in that, but this is this litigious society in which we exist, right? In which one never, ever, ever dares admit 
wrongdoing or failure or something else, lest there should be direct complications. But just look at it at face value. Has law enforcement done all that it could do to protect her? Hmm. She's dead. She was murdered. I tend to think law enforcement did not do all that it could have done. That's just, that's just me. But the police chief, he said, quote, I want the answer to that question as well. <laughs> End quote. Yeah, you want the answer to that question, uh, but you're not willing to admit up front that obviously we failed to do all that we could do or she would be alive and well. No. But... I say that she failed to discriminate. Discrimination, oh, that's a dirty word. Oh, that's so bad. Discrimination means to choose. Oh, but wait a minute. This society, the United States of America and all Western nations and other nations, such as communist China and so forth, They all embrace induced abortion. They don't all claim that it's the right to choose. (laughs) In communist China, they don't bother with such ridiculous propaganda as that, even though they are as steeped in and as expert at propaganda as any regime in history has ever been. And as dependent on it, it has been critical to the formation of the communist regime in mainland China, as it was critical for the formation of the Soviet Union and critical to the formation of Nazi Reich, the Third Reich in Germany and the nations that would be enslaved by Nazi Germany as it was critical to the formation of Mussolini's regime in Italy and in Japan and so forth. Propaganda, extremely important, but they don't even bother with it with regard to the little matter of induced abortion. They refer to it as one family, one child. Or if you prefer one child, one family. But choose? (laughs) What does choice have to do with it? But here we are in this nation of such great intellectual honesty. Isn't it? Isn't it a place of that, really? Mm. Well, oh, but this unassailable constitutional right to choose. To choose what? To to choose murder? To choose for the only innocent members of society 
innocent, helpless, preborn babies and infants for the Peter Singers and the rest, and infants to be sought out to be torturously, murderously destroyed, slaughtered. That's choice. But it is wrong to choose not to go out with somebody on the basis that they're not the same race as you, the same ethnicity as you, the same religion as you. That would be discrimination. That's odious, terrible. (laughs) But to choose, for a young woman, to choose to go to a doctor who In years gone by, the doctors were required to agree to the Hippocratic Oath to do no harm from the great philosopher Hippocrates. The Hippocratic Oath, do no harm. Or first, do no harm. And here we have this army of doctors who have prostituted themselves, degraded themselves, dedicated their medical skills to be used to exploit, rapaciously plunder women and slaughter their preborn babies. Again, every induced abortion that is, in fact, an induced abortion, is murder. Cold-blooded murder. But none of these murderers will ever see justice, judgment in this lifetime. But that Choice that is championed, heralded, that is embraced and championed by politicians and political aspirants coast to coast throughout the United States of America and has been now for more than four decades, going on a half century in the U.S. of A., not to mention all of the other Western nations. And of course, again, ones such as Communist China and Russian Federation, whether you want to refer to that as a Western nation or or otherwise. But, yes, and in Israel and so forth. But the right to choose whom you rent out a room in your house to That's another matter. The right to choose whether you go out with this person or that person, whether you see this person or that person. Now, as long as it's a person of the same race, ethnicity, religion, and you just, they give you the heebie-jeebies or or you've heard something about them and you imagine that they're not good enough for you, 
That's fine. Don't need to go out with them. Don't need to see them. But if it's a person of another race, then you're discriminating not to. You have to show how open-minded you are. And it is a great, great irony that there are so many young women, young white women, young Caucasian women, young women who are not of color, who pride themselves on their open-mindedness, on their freedom from bigotry and from being discriminatory and so forth, who spend time with relational, intimate relational time, date with people of other races, ethnicities, so forth, go out with them, with strangers, meet strangers, go out with them, spend time with them, what have you. And all of this, so many of them, it is pinned to, it is based on them priding themselves on their open-mindedness and their love for everybody and showing that they are free from any bigotry and any discrimination. And yet, while so many black men, men of color, seek out Caucasian or white girls and young women specifically because they are not black or of color. So many of these men of color or black men like Eldridge Cleaver have no use for women of their own race, of their own ethnicity. They despise them. They denigrate them. They speak ill of them. They spit on them. If there's no other female handy, they may exploit them and make use of them. But their preference, their strong preference, is outside of their race, away from their race. And they do so because they discriminate explicitly against their own race, against their own people. Hmm? Oh, but we're all one people. We're all one unified melting pot, so on and so forth. It's just an incredible irony. It's something that is never, ever, ever, ever mentioned and, of course, can't be mentioned without it being incredibly, explosively controversial. But it happens to be true, and it's gone on for decades now. Now, would this young woman, this precious young woman, still be alive if she had not gone out with this young man who was a lot less young than she supposed he was, but instead had gone out with a Ted Bundy? No, you know, she'd be just as bad off, wouldn't she? With a Richard Peck, with a Gary Gilmore, with a Ted Bundy, she would be every bit as bad off, right? But anyway, she was not brought up to discriminate, to choose wisely about whom she would 
get close to. At least that's the way it seems based on how things worked out. Before I continue, let me just say I'm Brad Thomas and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is good and true and right and accurate in this program, regardless how many people think it's despicable, is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ, and whatever modicum of godly wisdom I have had imparted to me. Whatever's wrong, failing, lacking, erring is due to me. Perhaps you saw the matter of this young policeman in Maryland. And I made mention of him before, I believe, Ryan Macklin, who was arrested for having raped a woman while he was on duty in uniform. He pulled her vehicle over and he raped her. He threatened her and raped her. Well, He is, as far as I know, currently in jail. I don't know. He may have posted bail. He may be out. But the police department stated that there may be additional people impacted by this officer's conduct. Isn't that a lovely way to put that? By this officer's conduct. Oh, yes, and he was honored previously as Patrol Officer of the Month at least twice back in 2014, this young man. Well, remarkable. But uh, you might think, well, that doesn't happen. That's just once in a blue moon. That is rare as can be. Not so. Not so. Instead, I saw something that pertained to research from Bowling Green State University. And it stated that police officers in the United States were charged with forcible rape 405 times. From nine, from pardon me, 2005 until 2013. So a span of eight, nine years, 2005 through 2013. Hmm. 405 charges brought against police officers for forcible rape. Now. The experts, various different experts, think that that number is greatly understating what actually has taken place. Not understating how many policemen have been charged, but rather understating the frequency of this. And they expect that the numbers, in fact, are greatly, voluminously higher than this. And I wanted to share this with you. Some states across the United States of America shield the identities of police officers who commit crimes. 
Some jurisdictions include non-disclosure agreements for victim settlements. So if this woman had gone to the police department and had been offered a settlement to keep quiet, I don't know if it would be true in this particular jurisdiction, but in various jurisdictions, those victims have to sign non-disclosure agreements, which, of course, wonderfully protects the guilty, doesn't it? So this system of accountability (laughs) is something shy of what it should be. And it was stated that the worst, the very worst of those within law enforcement are those that get the most protection. That sounds fair, doesn't it? That the very worst get the most protection. I mentioned previously about this pimp who was masquerading as a talent agent, very thinly disguised as such, and whom Netflix (laughs) helped out very greatly, featured him in a documentary, Hot Girls Wanted, and who stated that he'll never run short on talent because every day another girl turns 18. Another girl whom he can seduce, rape, exploit, prostitute for his entertainment videos and so forth that he markets. Well, this fine fellow who came across as really just not that bad a guy with the clever creative treatment given him, he had at least 18 criminal charges between 2007 and 2012, at least 18 criminal charges, including multiple counts of criminal mischief, burglary, of an unoccupied structure, and grand theft. Fine fellow, but again, a case here of Netflix being an accessory to the destruction of these girls and young women. An unnamed accessory. In the world of medicine, you see all kinds of different figures and so forth with regard to what nations have the most advanced medical care, what nations have the best medical care, and so forth. Which nations have the lowest cost medical care, of course, be communist or socialist ones, but then there's the matter of whether People can get the care or not as it's rationed out and as bureaucrats decide who deserves to be treated and who doesn't. Well, this one fellow, Christopher Dunch, 
Christopher Dunch, he decided that he would become a surgeon, a neurosurgeon, because neurosurgeons, they get big, 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 big bucks, and, of course, all of the prestige and everything else. Well, Christopher had a checkered past with regard to obtaining his medical education and licensing and so forth. But after he was granted privileges at a string of Dallas area hospitals, he really went to work. And He operated on 37 people, 37 patients. 33 of the 37 were injured, wounded during or after these surgical procedures, suffering complications such as permanent nerve damage, being unable to move from the neck down, being rendered quadriplegics. Being unable to have any feeling on one half of their body, one side of their bodies. Two of the 33 died, in the hospital, including a school teacher that was 55 who was having what was supposed to be a day surgery. Day surgery, outpatient surgery, died under the knife of this surgeon. Curiously enough, Dunch, when he had shown forth his great surgical prowess, a number of these Dallas hospitals and medical centers chose to let him resign instead of firing him. And so he was able to go on to continue destroying people. Two of these medical centers failed to report him to the United States Department of Health and Human Services. So again, there was zero accountability You know, it was, I thought, just a little bit like another case that I read about. Some differences, yes, but 
similarities, nonetheless, some eerie similarities. This is in Germany. Perhaps you heard about it or you saw that a former nurse, male nurse, Niels Hugel, he admitted to murdering 100 people, 100 patients in his care. The actual number is thought to be on the order of 200 or more. Now, he's been in prison for a decade on a life term, and this is for murdering other patients. (laughs) But... At least, at minimum, 36 people, 36 patients were murdered at a hospital in Oldenburg, Germany. And then, at least another 64 at a clinic in Delmenhorst, those between 2000, 2005, Over 130 patients' bodies have been exhumed, but many were cremated. It never ceases to amaze me, the popularity of cremation. I know it's cheap. I know it's cheap. And amazingly enough, impossibly enough, stupendously enough, it is popularized, it is romanticized. It is romanticized in movies. Can you deny that? It is romanticized about, oh, where they spread the ashes. Oh, and it's these idyllic settings, and it's, you know, at the seacoast, and it's on a river, and it's on a lake, and it's on a mountainside, and it's in a meadow, and on it goes, and there's music playing, of course, in the background, and it's romanticized cremation of people. How romantic was it back in Nazi Germany and Nazi Reich enslaved Poland and elsewhere? How romantic was it? How popular was it? But interestingly enough, this fellow, when it came to light what he had been doing, a superior of his at the Oldenburg Hospital, this is back when he was getting going, okay, before he had murdered a great many more, a superior at the Oldenburg Hospital asked him to resign in late 2002. They didn't fire him. They asked him to resign. And get this, with this kicker, he would receive a positive recommendation and holiday pay if he left voluntarily. How do you like them, Apple? 
hospitals. The administrators of these hospitals and medical centers in the greater Dallas-Fort Worth area, they allowed Dunch to resign instead of firing him. They failed to report him. They allowed him to go on crippling people and causing enormous suffering and killing. Inadvertently, perchance. But this fellow in Germany, deliberately murdering these people, and here... These hospital administrators' accessories before the fact. They not only allowed him to resign, they gave him a golden parachute to resign. He would receive a positive recommendation so he could go do his evil elsewhere. Not accidental deaths, murders. And he would receive holiday pay. Well, he was finally caught in 2005 while he was injecting a patient with unprescribed medication. And he was sentenced... For attempted murder. And that sentence was for seven years in prison. Then there was a second trial in 2014 15, and he was found guilty of murder and attempted murder and given the maximum sentence. The maximum. What is the maximum sentence for multiple murders in the enlightened progressive? Western nation of Germany, 15 years maximum. It doesn't matter. So you've murdered 150. It doesn't matter. 15-year maximum. That's all that society can require of you. (laughs) He then confessed to his psychiatrist that he had committed many more. (laughs) So investigators have taken a closer look. Hmm. Well quite something. So what do they attribute this to? What about the motive? We always hear there has to be motive, you know, means, opportunity, and motive, because destroyers don't just destroy. They don't murder just to murder. They don't slaughter because they desire to slaughter, to hatefully destroy people. No, there has to be a motive, you know, money or jealousy, you know, greed, covetousness. There has to be has to be something like that, right? Well, listen to this. Prosecutors have determined that he was motivated by vanity and boredom. Vanity and boredom drove him to commit mass murder. Mass murder with the complicity of hospital administrators. Now, perhaps you imagine that, well, that's Germany. Things aren't that bad here in the United States of America. 
Thank goodness they're not like that here. <laughs> really? Well, <laughs> if they're not, we don't have far to go. Okay, We are a step behind the socialist Western nations. A step, but only a step. This other fellow here in the States coming back to the United States of America, this one man, man of color, but he could just as well be a man of non-color, right? There is no corner on the market on wickedness, on evil, by any race, ethnicity, nationality kindred, family, tribe. There just isn't. But this fellow was arrested on charges that he raped six women between 2009 and 2018, and the police, in searching his home, found 500 videotapes, you know, give or take, 500 videotapes, of his assaults, okay? So, this serial rapist, I mean, what's the worst that he can get? You know, there was a time, back before the United States of America lost its mind and its soul, there was a time when he would have been executed. But that time is long past. It just, that's not how we do things in this day and age, no. And another serial rapist... No, not Bill Cosby. No, this is a former reality TV star. Reality TV. It's just so wonderful, isn't it? California reality TV star doctor, another doctor, in case you see a theme here, Dr. Grant Robichaud. And his girlfriend, his beautiful, beautiful girlfriend, Sarissa Riley. They pled not guilty to a whole passel full of felony charges in Newport Beach, California, where they were charged, arraigned. Dear Dr. Grant Robichaud, fine young fellow, 38 years of age, you know, and very successful. In other words, a man whom a great, great, great number of women would choose over me In a heartbeat, right? (laughs) In less than a heartbeat, a millisecond. He was once dubbed Orange County, California's most eligible bachelor. And again, his girlfriend. She's 31, he's 38. She's beautiful, beautiful woman. And they are charged with mega counts of rape of drugging women, kidnapping them, raping them. These two together. This tandem. So why is it that these two beautiful people and him being a reality TV star and most eligible and all of that, why is it that they would do such monstrous things? What is their motivation? If you try to figure that out, and try as you might to figure out what is the motivation here for doing these things. You're not going to get it. 
Evil people do evil things. That's who they are. That's what they are. Believe it or not. That's not the anti-intellectual answer. That's the intellectually honest answer. Satan came only to steal, to murder, to defile, to destroy. That's it in a nutshell. And all of his servants, all of his minions, all of those who follow him, who obey him, who serve him, do the same. Whether it's the high and mighty, who weren't so high and mighty until they ascended the heights, but the likes of the Hitlers and Stalins and Maos and so forth, who slaughter vast multitudes, torture vast multitudes, commit heinous, monstrous crimes, or whether it happens to be your garden variety serial rapist, hmm, or kidnap rapist murderer, or what have you. What they have in common is they're evil, and they do evil. Liars lie. Destroyers destroy. Perhaps you saw that the bodies of two women were found floating in the Hudson River in New York City. These two women had been duct-taped together. And what I found as shocking as the rest was they did not appear to have any signs of trauma. It didn't look like they'd been beaten and strangled and so on and so forth. So what was done? Were they drugged? Were they given injections? I mean, this sounds like something that Dr. Grant Robichaud, you know, kind of treatment, except then they're duct taped together and thrown into the Hudson River to drown to death. That's, there's no way on earth that's a one-stop shop thing. We're going to be hearing more about that, more bodies, more evil. It really, I mean, it feels like gangland slain, but that is just one of those monstrous, horrible things that was committed very recently. Very recently. But this mass murder at the synagogue, this attack of these people because they are Jews, even though they're not recognized as Jews by Orthodox Jews and ultra-Orthodox Jews. Not, so they're not proper Jews. You know, it's not Jews at all in, in their view. But they were Jewish enough to be viewed as Jews, to be targeted, to be slaughtered, to be destroyed. Meanwhile, do you remember going back sometime, quite a while now, oh my gosh, South Africa, the South African government was so terrible, so horrible, so odious, and there were all of these movements at universities across the nation to divest themselves of all investments in South Africa, and also to to cut all ties with South Africa, and of course, enormous pressure made 
to stop all trade with South Africa, to embargo South Africa, and to effectively bleed it dry, to force it to have regime change. I know things have been so good since the changes, haven't they? (laughs) You know, the amount of violent crime, the amount of gang rape, the numbers of girls who've been raped by AIDS-infected men, raping young virgins to be healed of AIDS. All manner of monstrous, horrible things. They're in dear South Africa, one of the most violent places on the earth, thanks to the regime change that was forced on it. But it was fascinating, all these universities that had to get in line and stop having anything to do with South Africa. What about all these universities who are in bed with Saudi Arabia? I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. 